Eric, we're back on a Friday. Happy Friday, Tyler. Happy Friday. It's been a while. It has been a while. This is going to be an excellent Friday. We promise you. We got something so cool. Um, Tyler, this this particular topic speaks right to you, doesn't it? I, it does. I'm so excited. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. This is my birthday present to you, Tyler, making this happen. <laughs> Bless your heart. We have with us today the co-founder of Small Beer, Mr. Felix. Felix, how are you today, sir? Very well. I'm so, so happy to be here with you. You know, it's, um, in fact, for me, it's still just about Thursday. It's, uh, so I'm, I'm in London and it's, um, it's currently quarter to midnight on Thursday, but happy Friday. <laughs> thank, thank you so, so much. I, and again, that's something people don't always appreciate. When we get these guests, Tyler and I are in California. We're very spoiled. We say, no, we're not staying up late. We're not waking up early. You need to figure it out. So we told Felix, hey, how's 1130 at night for you on a Thursday? And he's like, <laughs> okay. So <laughs> Felix, God bless you, man. Here, here you are with us. Well, it, it just so happens that I'm in the brewery. So, uh, so the perfect place to be talking about beer. Excellent. Perfect. Excellent. Excellent. Um, I wrote a little pre, pre-welcome paragraph for you here. Uh, so thank you for coming on with us. Uh, before we get too far into it, I want to let everyone know this episode is near and dear to Tyler's heart. Um, he is more beer than man at this point. So <laughs> we want to know everything. We want to know the whole story from the first time drinking beer to the light bulb moment where you decided to become a brewer. Um, but before we get into that, I thought it would be fun just to get to know you a little bit, just to, you know, have a little, have a little giggle. Uh, have you ever played F. Mary Kill? I have. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Uh, the F. Mary Kills I have, I have the beer version of it. So I have a UK version slash Europe. <laughs> and I have a U.S. version. Nice. That's excellent. <laughs> so, <laughs> unfortunately, I did leave small beer out. And the reason why is because I feel you're biased. Yeah, yeah, probably. Slightly, yeah. slightly biased there. Yeah. Just a little bit, right? <laughs> um, what, what have you got for me? So, F. Mary Kill, San Miguel, Guinness, Heineken. Mm, okay. That's a good one. Um, I'm going to... That's so that's so tough. You know, I think I think on this occasion I'm gonna F San Miguel. Uh I'm gonna marry Guinness. And I'm gonna kill Heineken. All right. All right. Uh and now we have the US version. Tyler, if you wouldn't mind, I, I would like to hear your opinion on this as well. Let's let's you know, Felix of course guessed first, but Tyler, I wanna know about you too. F. Mary Kill, Budweiser, Corona, Stella. Oh, that was one for Tyler, right? Oh, uh, it's for both of you. It's for both of you. It's, yes. Of course. <laughs> sorry, sorry. No, not a problem at all. Not a problem at all. So, um, sorry, sorry. Say them again. So, F. Mary Kill, Budweiser, Corona, Stella Artois. Let's be fancy. Okay, I mean, I'm absolutely effing Stella. Like, what a beer. Nice. Um, you know, the, the funny thing about Stella is that over here in the UK, we, um, we call it the wife beater. It has an absolutely terrible, terrible reputation for a beer that was always much stronger. At a time, you know, during the kind of 90s in the UK, uh, most lagers were, were, were kind of in the 3 and 4% mark. And... Stella came in and people drank it because it was strong. Mm -hmm. 
uh, and they got completely out completely out of hand because um because Brits, you know, are not used to drinking strong or weren't at that time used to drinking strong alcohol. Um, but I, I moved to, I actually lived in, in New York for a couple of years um, and, and found to my surprise that Stella in the US was sold in, or at least in New York it was, it was sold in tiny little like 200 mil bottles, like half pint bottles. Mm-hmm. Um, and they had a beautiful... Uh, kind of um, foil top over the crown yeah. cap, like absolutely, you know, the best beer and cost, you know, three or four times what the kind of standard beers and malt liquors cost in, in the little bodega next to next to our house. And um, yeah, I, I I then gained an absolute, you know, I I really really sort of fell in love with stuff <laughs> for the second time in my life, and. Um, yeah, it's. Uh, I I I still think it's a great beer. It's a wonderful beer. But um, so Stella's your F. Stella. What what were the other ones? I've forgotten now. Bud. Budweiser and Corona. Okay. Well, I'm gonna have to marry Bud. Um, and that's because I I actually worked at Budweiser Brewery in the UK, uh, for a couple of years, and that's what kicked off my brewing career. So, uh-huh. thank you, Bud. I'm I'm there all the way. Uh, that's a marriage made in heaven, um, <laughs> and, and of course, you know, yeah. So sorry, but yeah, it's it's, it's got to go. Bye bye Corona. Bye bye Corona. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Tyler, what about you, man? F Mary kill Budweiser Corona Stella. Uh, I'm gonna have to F Corona. Okay, because that, that's always like that's become like my party beer now. Like I kind of like, like I, not like a party, but like a casual get together. I like Coronas. I think because it's just light and it is kind of watery, but it's it kind of works as a refreshment, you know, in a social environment. Okay. Um. Uh. What was uh? Not Budweiser. What was the other one? Stella. Uh, Stella. Yeah. Let, I'll marry Stella and then I'll kill Budweiser. <laughs> Sorry. Very Sorry. good. Sparing no feelings here. So feelings, uh, small beer, man. How, how did the story begin? Where did your love for beer all start? Oh, goodness. I mean, well, I, my love for beer started long before, long before small beer was even a glint in, in, in our eyes. But um, my love for beer started, in fact, it was probably, you know, you were asking earlier about the, uh, the, the very first time that I, that I drank beer. And I can certainly, I can remember being on a, on a holiday uh, with um, with my parents in in France, at kind of age four or five, and taking my first sip out of the bottle that my dad was drinking at the time, and thinking, "Wow, what is this? You know, this is so incredibly bitter." Um, but no, I've 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 had a an intense love for beer um, probably ever since you know ever since kind of getting over that first little bitterness, um, and I I uh, but no small beer really came to us um quite some way in so this was after um really deciding that that there was sort of more to uh more to to beer um than than just drinking it and having fun uh i really really enjoyed um certainly during my kind of teens and 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 early adulthood um absolutely i, I was really into, <laughs> i was <laughs> yeah, i was really into 
to fermentation, basically of all varieties. I was baking bread, I was making sauerkraut and yogurt and, and all sorts of things. And I was cooking, actually, um, while I was doing a biology degree, I was also cooking kind of professionally on the side, really into food, and I was selling food on the weekends as well. Um, and I just absolutely, I didn't realize that you could brew really great tasting beer at home. And then I happened to come across uh, an article with these guys brewing actually in Northwest Arkansas. And I just thought, this is incredible. You know, why am I not doing this at home? So I uh, went out and I got myself some, some malt and some hops and some yeast uh, and I cracked on and I started brewing and I've, I've now been brewing for, that was, that was 18 years ago. Wow. Um, and so I've been brewing uh, both at home, you know, in, in kind of small batches uh, on a very small scale, and then took it up as a professional career. Uh, so as I, as I mentioned, I worked for Budweiser for a couple of years. That was the beginning of my brewing career. Uh, and, then, uh, and then actually moved on to a, a, a big regional brewer in the UK called Fuller's and worked there for uh, six years, um, kind of climbing up the, the management chain, uh, getting my stripes. Um, and I got to the point where the whole time that I'd been doing this, I was thinking that really the kind of end game was, was just raising enough money to go and build a brewery um, and all sorts of other things. So I wanted, you know, I wanted a, a sort of a wonderful emporium of food and drink. Um, and, but the brewery is going to be central to all this. Uh, and I was you know, increasing my, my, um, my brewing expertise on, on the side. Um, but then always thinking, you know, I've just got to get enough money to do this. And by the time I'd kind of built my career, I was then so secure. I had, you know, a growing family. Um, I now have two kids. I had a car and a mortgage. And, and, and I just thought, like, there's absolutely no way that I can quit the job, yeah. pack it in, and just go out on a, on a limb. And Roll the dice. Brewery. That, you know, that would be completely mad. And then an absolute amazing, you know, turning point happened where I actually, um, I moved away from brewing uh, for a few years to go and work at Sipsmith Gin Distillery. Have you come across Sipsmith? Uh, no. No, I'm not familiar. Do you know it? No, never heard of it. So, so Sipsmith um, is a, well, it's a bit of a global phenomenon now, but it's, um, it's, a, it's a gin that started out in London uh, back in 2009, and it was it was the first copper distillery to to have set up in London for almost 200 years, um, and I had this opportunity to go and be their head of operations. So I, wow. I joined Sipsmith. I was there for a few years, but the great thing about it is that I met my business part- partner while I was working there. I was the head of operations. He was the head of sales. So we were their kind of senior management team, and we used to go out for beers after work. And, you know, because, you know, you spend all day making and selling gin. Uh, the last thing that you want to do after work is go and have a G&T. So, <laughs> so, so we go down to the pub for a beer, but we'd have spent, you know, these were long working days. These were like 18, 20 hours of work, absolutely, wow. you know, building a brand. I mean, this was a, an incredible brand that went from when I started there there were sort of 12 people working there. And, and when I left three years later, we were a team of 70 people. We were wow. to 50 different countries. It was a huge phenomenon. 
Um, and so that really showed us, it was a great um, education. We, you know, we learned, we kind of, we became the class of 2017 <laughs> Sipsmith gang. Um, and we, we learned that, you know, that you could take a, a humble brand and turn it into, into an amazing um, kind of stratospheric, uh, you know, experience for, for so many people. And so, but also at the, at the same time, you know, it kind of allowed us to think big, you know, to start thinking like, what can we do um, with, this, with this concept that had just come to us quite naturally? Because we were basically in the pub, we were standing at the, uh, at the fonts, looking at the beers, and we just couldn't quite understand how at the end of a really long working day, we're looking at all these pump clips going, you know, we really just want to drink something that is great tasting, that's consistently good, but isn't going to absolutely knock us for six. Like there, there was just no way that we were going to be able to drink, you know, two or three pints of five or 6% beer at the end of the day and not right. be falling asleep in the pub or right. on the train on the way home. You know, it was, it was just, we needed something that was going to, and, and basically the only, um, the only kind of alternative that we had was either something that was full of sugar um, or a kind of, you know, like a soft drink or a non-alcoholic beer. And at the time, I mean, non-alcoholic beer also wasn't really a thing. I mean, we're talking, this was only seven years ago, but really the only one that was available in, in most pubs here was Beck's Blue. And it kind of sat there on its own, like a, a, a very lovely few bottles in the in the bottom left hand side of the fridge no one wanted it you know it yeah. was kind of like please please take me home no <laughs> no, no way we're not going anywhere near that non-alcoholic beer was you know I, i'd only ever tried non-alcoholic beer a handful of times in my entire life and they were all because i'd made the mistake of picking up a non-alcoholic beer bottle when i thought i was getting something alcoholic so it was never a real choice it was never a choice and yeah. <laughs> For some people, it's absolutely right. You know, some for some people who absolutely can't have alcohol for whatever reason that is, that is that's completely fine. But if you do have the choice, you're basically faced with something that is, in most cases, pretty lacking in flavour or or certainly inferior to a lot of beer that is out there. And don't get me wrong, they are improving. I think the non-alcoholic beer options are getting better but they're just nowhere near what some of the really great beers of the world are at the moment. Um, and so from a kind of taste perspective, that wasn't hitting the mark, but also from a, uh, from, from a kind of experience perspective, you know, non-alcoholic beer by definition is lacking all the fun of alcohol. <laughs> <laughs> alcohol as, as terrible as it can be, like, Let's not forget that alcohol is an absolute destroyer of lives. You yeah. Know, it can be yeah. absolutely abysmal for people. Yeah. It's more, more than just liquid courage. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, at the same time, that's the thing is it is, it is liquid courage. It is, I, I like to think of it as like a social glue, you know, yeah, it's a lip loosener together. Um, it's, it's also the reason why a lot of us even exist in the first place. <laughs> <laughs> You know, if we went for alcohol, you know, I'm not sure that half of us would have been born. So on the back of your cans, do you write cheaper than condoms? 
<laughs> well, I'm, I'm not sure that that really works. Yeah. Um, but but anyway, it was. Um, I, I do I do think that a little bit of alcohol goes a long way. Um, yeah. And certainly, if you can drink it in moderation, that's great. However, we're also terrible at working out what moderation means for us, right? Like so. You know, you'll, you'll probably have heard of this study where they gave a load of monkeys alcohol to drink and the monkeys drank the alcohol, had loads of fun. And then the next day they were offered alcohol again and they went, no, 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 no. You're not going <laughs> anywhere near that. You're crazy. We now have headaches. We don't like it. You know, you've completely messed us up. Um, of course, humans are way stupider than monkeys and, and go time and time again for more. Um, whatever that is, you know, whether that's kind of social peer pressure or, or uh, whether we just can't, you know, we, we can't remember the, the hard times um, the morning after or whatever that may be. But, um, but we're terrible at working out when to stop drinking. You know, seemingly the more alcohol you drink, the more you think, oh, yeah, this is great. I have another one and another, right. another, another, until you're going, damn, why, why did I have to have that last one? <laughs> You know, it's always just the last one or two that have tipped you over the edge and you're thinking, ah, you know, I've gone a little bit too far here. Do you, do you have the expression in the UK, one drink, two drink, three drink, floor? <laughs> have you heard that one? No, I, I hadn't. I hadn't heard that one, but that is a great one. That's yeah, really have you seen it? it? I'm going to be using it. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's excellent. Um, so... So basically, we were, you know, we were kind of stuck with this conundrum of like, we don't really want to be drinking four, five, six percent alcohol. You know, you don't really, you can't really find any beers that are in the kind of mid-strength um, here in the UK. Uh, and, and certainly, as I understand, it's not really a thing in the US just yet. Um, and uh, I mean, there are countries that, that have nailed this. Like if you go to, to the Nordics, um, Sweden and Norway, um, they have some great uh, beers around the 2% mark. Um, if you go to Australia, actually, they're, they're really keen on their, on their kind of mid-strength beers and they, 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 they drink them during sporting events. I mean, I think, you know, you can get some sort of like light, low alcohol beers at sporting events in, in the US as well, but they're pretty, pretty abysmal. Like the, the quality, they're basically watered down beers. Um, That's disgusting. Whereas really what we, what we were thinking of, you know, we were kind of standing in this pub and we're like, why are there not just great tasting beers, consistently good um, and really inspiring, but at a strength at which you can just drink them and not really have to bother about whether you've had too many. Um, yeah. And, you know, that, that might seem like quite a specific occasion, but once you kind of open up your mind to this concept, um, you suddenly think, well, actually, there's a whole host of reasons why you don't need to be drinking strong beer. You know, it's, it's um, whether you've got to get, get up the following morning and get work done, whether you just want to spend some time with family, but you don't want to be the idiot, whether you're, you know, sometimes you're with friends and you're, you're trying to keep up um, with the drinking and you just, you know, you're slurring and you're being a bit of an idiot anyway. And it just, it's kind of, it's just managing that balance is, is tough. Um, 
I sound like I'm an, an, an alcoholic now. But, uh, no, no, no. You know what? <laughs> as, as you talk, I swear, and and I'm so sorry, my brain works this way. I just keep thinking of slogans that are that work with what you're saying. Like, you know, it's you want to be the guy holding the camera, not the one in front of it. You know, it's just things like that. This, it's so true what you're saying. Yeah, and I mean, even more so in in today's age of kind of um, like there are a lot of kids that don't drink anymore. Um, I don't know if you've come across this phenomenon, but but the kind of millennial. You know, we, we have a lot of um, a lot of kids these days that that have just decided to go completely teetotal, uh, and the main reason is that they don't want to be seen, you know, acting like complete asses on on social media. Right. They are oh. you know, they're so concerned about their image. Right. You know, getting drunk in front of their friends is um, is risky. You know, it's yeah, <laughs> it's too too much. Of a oh risk. my god! Everyone's their own PR now. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. So um, anyway, but we, so yeah, we, we went away, we did some research, we found out that really the, there was nothing around the 2% mark. Um, by that stage, I had, I was basically running a, a kind of semi-commercial operation out the back of my garden. <laughs> I had, I built a brewery, we, we moved into this house, and one of the first things that I did uh, was kind of strip out the old shed and build a bespoke brewing shed in the wow um and so we had some kit that was kind of big enough to brew a few hundred pints every day um and and we had this concept and we said look let's just get brewing and see what we can do um and at the beginning it was just entirely it was you know it was just a hobby it was like we'll, we'll we'll just make some small beer and see how it goes um and and we started brewing some beer. One of them was kind of around the one percent mark. One of them was was around the two percent mark, and we kind of realised that two percent is kind of the sweet spot. Um, in fact, our lager that we developed first is is two point one percent, and it just means that you can. It's kind of like the the correct level of alcohol is just baked in. It means that you can have a few pints, and you really like you get to that kind of one or two pint feeling. You know that wonderful feeling where you're, you know, you're in a pub or maybe you're at home, you're having a beer and you have your first beer, maybe your second beer, and then, you know, you break the seal. Tyler's all too familiar with this. <laughs> I'm, listening. I'm on the edge of my seat. I'm listening. Yeah. And, and you, you know, you, you, you go to the bathroom and you catch yourself in the mirror and you see yourself and you think, yes, I'm on the top <laughs> of my game here. <laughs> This is this is the right moment for me. You know, life has come together. This is wonderful. Let's go and have a great conversation with a great friend. Yeah. And, yeah. and then you you hit that kind of absolute perfect stride. You go and have some more conversations, you have some more beers, and then three or four beers later, you're then kind of going, Ah, yeah, now I've now now I've lost it. You know, yeah. I don't really know what's going on. That <laughs> two point feeling. It's kind of it's where you get to you get to to that to that feeling pretty quickly no matter what you're drinking. So you yeah. can drink a couple of small beers and you're there and it's great. But then what's wonderful about small beer is you can then keep drinking and it doesn't really matter whether you have two beers, four beers, sixteen beers. You're still at that same level. Um, Felix, have you tried that? Yeah, <laughs> we have. We've. Had- Absolutely, put it to the test, and more and more uh, in in recent months, actually, as we've really 
shout into into more and more pubs in the UK. But we um, we first tried it just immediately before the pandemic. We launched into into Fuller's pubs. Um, it's a great chain of, of of pubs. In fact, associated with the brewery that I used to work at. Oh, nice. We we got into about forty central London pubs, and we went on a pub crawl. Right? Do you have do you have pub crawls in the states? Yeah, we we yeah. do. Yeah. Great. So we went on a pub crawl. We tried to hit basically every, well, we did hit every central London Fuller's pub that we were listed in. And there were 19 pubs. Wow. And we had a kind of, a sort of, it wasn't quite a pact, but it was like an unspoken agreement that we were basically going to have a pint in every, in every pub. Um, And, uh, and I, I joined a few pubs in. Uh, but our brewer, who did all 19 pubs, had 19 pints that night. Mm. Um, I certainly had 15 that I counted. Uh, wow. And we didn't drink anything else apart from small beer. It was just, we were just celebrating the fact that we'd launched in these pubs. And that was on a Wednesday night. We <laughs> <laughs> through to Wednesday night. Good long drinking, drinking session. And I still have, I have video recordings of that night that I cannot remember taking. Right, oh, so I yeah. must have had a oh, yeah. in the system, but we all woke up the following morning and we were back at work. I, I was literally in with with our brewer, um, starting up a brew day at seven o'clock the following morning, and we felt absolutely fine. And I literally, I remember lying in bed, waking up that morning, and thinking, "Oh God, I can taste the alcohol on my breath. Yeah, I know what this is going to be like, you know." you know, I'm, I'm not entirely sure I'm going to be able to make it out of bed. Um, this is really tough. And I kind of rolled over to try and get out of bed. And I was like, ah, this is weird. I feel completely fine. <laughs> no, no inkling of, of, a, of a hangover. You know, there was just nothing there. Um, I just thought, wow, this is great. Um, Did you have any kind of palate cleanser in between those 15 beers? No, 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 wow. no, 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 no. It was just, it was just straight beer. I mean, we had, um, we had some little bar snacks, but that, that's as far okay. as I mean. there, there were no other drinks consumed and, and, you know, neither, neither did we need them. Um, the wonderful thing about small beer is that you've got this kind of perfect level of, um, of alcohol with actually with hydration. So this is what, this is what, so I'm kind of missing part of the story here which is why why do i keep calling it small beer and what's the whole small beer thing thing all about well when we went away and did some research when we kind of first realized that there was this lacking piece of um you know i mean we didn't know all the wonders of drinking 19 pints of small beer at that <laughs> this was just a little idea in our heads and we thought ah, i knew that brewing a two percent beer was going to be tough like technically getting a 2% beer right is really, really tough and particularly a lager. So we started out brewing a lager um, and getting a lager right at four or 5% is tough, right? Because you have absolutely nothing to hide behind. You have this very, very delicate palate. Um, you've got a nice balance between the kind of multi flavors. And by that, I mean the kind of um, biscuity, sweet, crisp, you know, all those wonderful flavors that you're getting from the grain that you use and then balancing those with the hops. And those hops are giving you kind of floral aromas, the bitterness that kind of brings you back for more. 
it's all those those kind of wonderful delicate aromas and flavors that come together that form a lager but you have nothing to hide behind you don't have like big punchy hops like you find in an ipa you don't have those big roasted flavors that you find in a stout they're they're much more uh sort of subdued and much more crisp and balanced and so getting that right at four or five percent is really really tough but getting it right at two percent is even tougher because it's all flavor the easiest thing to do with beer is just to layer up flavors. You know, yeah. you can add more and more ingredients, get more and more flavors, and, and the flavors kind of all mask each other and they blend and they, it's, um, it's really, really tough kind of stripping that back and saying, what can I do, you know, with, with a very few ingredients? And sometimes the best things have fewer ingredients, right? Like some of the best dishes are simple. Some of the best cocktails are simple. That's what it's all about. So, so we, we basically, you know, we knew that it was going to be tough technically, but also we really had no reference point. You know, there was nothing else out there that was kind of 2%. So we did a bit of research and then we realized that there was a whole thousand years of history as a reference point. And by that, I mean that actually what we were drinking, and this was, I mean... <laughs> This is before the founding fathers, right? Like this is before this is before the U.S. existed. Mm-hmm. It's going back to so it's got to be good, yeah. <laughs> Middle Ages, right? We were drinking small beer, and and that might seem a little bit strange because you know that I now run a brewery called Small Beer, but the actual technical term for beer around two percent alcohol is called small beer. And that's what people were drinking instead of water. So this oh was what people were using for hydration and nutrition. Like they, it was literally the liquid bread that you would drink all day long to keep you hydrated. That's fascinating. Wow. So, and it, you know, I'd, I'd certainly heard of references of people drinking beer, you know, a lot more and drinking beer instead of water. Um, is it because it was safer than the water? Is that what was happening? Yeah. So, and that, that is correct to a degree and also slightly incorrect. It's, it's one of the kind of slightly misunderstood phenomena of, of historical beer drinking is actually up until about the 1700s, people didn't really know that water was unsafe to drink. Um, so they, they thought at the time that, that, that uh, you could be infected by the air but they didn't realize that water could infect you. And, and this was, you know, what caused these huge outbreaks of, of waterborne infections, um, cholera and, and the like. Um, and it wasn't until uh, people started to realize that there were microbes living in the water. And, and for that, we needed the invention of the microscope. Uh, we needed, all, you know, a whole host of, of scientists, um, really kind of enlightened people looking into this and finding out the the sort of um, uh, that there was this whole world that we couldn't see. Felix, your your biology degree is showing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, sorry. I mean, this is the stuff that really fascinates. I could tell. No, I could tell. I didn't mean to cut you off. I just, I, I, I love the passion, man. I love the passion, and it makes me think that your your product is that much better because you you have history in it, and you care about it, and you've cultivated it, and you've done it until you got it right. Yeah. But I mean, to, to a degree, you're right. People were drinking small beer because it was safe. But the, 
they didn't know that it was safe. What they did know was that it tasted a hell of a lot better than water. Yeah. <laughs> we take now that you can open up a tap and you can get fresh water. It's chlorinated. It, you know, it stays sweet for a long period of time. Water, you know, back in the Middle Ages, unless you were living uh, next to your own well or on the side of a glacier or, you know, you had a perfect little spring somewhere, you were basically, you know, water was, was, um, was always slightly putrid. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I can um, imagine. And, um, uh, and a lot of the time, and particularly in, in kind of heavily um, uh, populated areas, I mean, if you were in London, uh, even, even up to a couple of hundred years ago, you know, the water tasted foul. No, nobody drank the water. Why would you drink water when you could drink beer? Right, Tyler? <laughs> Absolutely. You know, what, Absolutely. What, what is the point? So, yeah. <laughs> so basically, um, uh, so, so they used to have this tradition of making, so a lot of beer was made at home. Uh, in fact, you know, um, right up until the kind of 17 and 1800s, uh, there were commercial beers, there were commercially brewed beers, but a lot of beer was made at home. And then as a kind of frugal means, as a way of retaining the value of your mash, you would, after you brewed your beer, your kind of big beer, your strong beer, you would then boil up the mash again, or you do a second runnings through your mash or a, or a sparge, as we call it. And you would take this, um, uh, this weaker wort, so your unfermented beer, and you'd, you'd ferment that separately to your big beer, and you would create small beer. So you'd create this kind of second runnings beer, which typically was a little bit more bitter, uh, a little bit more stringent, um, sometimes quite thick and almost like a porridge. Like, um, but it was, uh, it was there, as I said before, it was basically for hydration and for nutrition and people, and in fact, even sometimes as, as medication. So oh doctors were prescribing small beer to people, particularly if they had symptoms of fever. So, you know, th this was kind of one of the things that we were thinking, like, during the pandemic. I mean, if you go back to the, the previous pandemic and you look at Spanish flu, a lot of people were drinking small beer as a, as a kind of, as a way of treating the symptoms of, of influenza. That's so, so um, crazy, man. Unbelievable. Yeah, I mean, it, you know, but the, the crazy thing is that this forms such a large part of our history and yet so few people actually really know about it. And if you think today, you know, if everybody just stopped drinking tea or coffee, you know, and you, you probably wouldn't, like, you don't find recipe books for making a cup of tea, right? It's right. just, you know, I mean, everybody, everybody does it as kind of part of their daily lives. It's like you don't find an instruction manual on brushing your teeth. Um, so there isn't really any history as in there's, there, there are very few uh, accounts of, you know, people actually, you know, how they made their small beer. Um, but the accounts that we have found, I mean, George Washington actually famously has had uh, his own recipe for making small beer. Really? It was an interesting well, really? He used, uh, he put some molasses in it. Um, but the, uh, but there, there are very few people that really kind of took pride in making this stuff because it was... It was like, it was just a, a part of everyday life. It was an absolute staple. 
And it was a staple that was consumed by everybody from school children right through to high society. <laughs> so literally, there is a school down the road from here called Dulwich College. Um, and they were, up until the 1950s, they were serving small beer to the kids at Dulwich College. <laughs> oh, um, my God. And they, they were kind of like rationing it out. It was, it was a little bit like, um, so when, when I was at school, we were given milk every day. Mm-hmm. And it mm-hmm. was an absolute, like, you know, I, some people really hated drinking milk. Like my sister couldn't stand drinking the milk at school. Um, but it was given to you and, you know, they were like, yep, yeah, you've got to drink this. It's good for you. It's got calcium. It's got, B vitamin, it's got D vitamins in it. But the, um, but, you know, 50 years prior to that, kids were given beer at school. It was kind of 2% beer. And the reason that they were drinking it, and maybe even 1% beer, is, you know, it was, it was much, much lower in strength. The reason that they were drinking it is because it's full of micronutrients, full of vitamins, and it hydrates you. So this is what's really wonderful about small beer is that it sits, the reason that it's called small beer, the reason that it exists as a kind of entity in its own right, and the reason that people drank it for so long is that exists in its own right below the diuretic limit of alcohol so what that means so the diuretic limit for alcohol sits at 2.8 percent if you're Mm. drinking above 2.8 percent you're dehydrating as you drink so man we're learning so much interesting like you will you know you know that when you drink if you drink strong alcohol if you don't then drink water after you drink alcohol, you know, you wake up the following morning, you have a headache. That's yeah. the way it works. Yeah. You still can... haven't learned the lesson there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you, you can, you can kind of get over some of that feeling by drinking some water before you go to bed, you know, or drinking some water as soon as you wake up in the morning. But effectively, one of the main reasons for the hangover effect is the fact that your body is trying to get rid of toxins for which it needs lots of water to flush the toxin out of your system. Um, But you don't have enough water in your system because you've dehydrated yourself from drinking too much alcohol. So the wonderful thing about small beer is you're below that diuretic limit. You're below 2.8%. And so you're hydrating as you drink. And not only are you hydrating, but you're actually hydrating better than if you were just drinking water alone. And that's because beer, by the nature of the way that it's made, the way that you have grain sugars in in that water, um, suspended in the water, it makes beer isotonic. So what that means is that it, it actually integrates itself better and faster and easier into your system. It, it travels across the membranes in your body quicker than water. So, so small beer is like the gateway of, of the alcohol world. Seriously. Yeah, like this is what we're going to see at the Olympics next year. You know, the, 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 the biggest problem is that we can't, you know, we can't sell it as a health product. Yeah. We yeah. Like, there is absolutely no reason that we, that we should. Well, apart from, you know, clearly if you have a, if you have a problem with alcohol, you shouldn't be drinking any, any alcohol. Right. And and I completely understand there have also been multiple studies that have confirmed that drinking alcohol at any level isn't particularly good for you. However, you know, crossing the street is also not particularly good for you. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. 
right? The other, you know, clearly, as, as, as we agreed before, like alcohol brings people together. You know, it's a wonderful thing if it's consumed in the right proportions. So, yeah. So basically, we, you know, we've made this beer that you can drink a huge amount of if you want to. You can also just have a little beer, you know, on a Tuesday evening. And it just takes away all the kind of, all those kind of, uh, those little guilty concerns in the back of your mind. Should I be drinking this? You know, is someone going to find out? Am I going to end up in a situation where I shouldn't have been drinking? Is this, you know, is, is this the right time of day to be drinking? Right. Like, you know, the right social environment to be drinking in. Um, you might not be asking yourself that those questions out loud. But <laughs> your brain is certainly doing that. Every time you put a drink to your mouth, you're kind of thinking, yeah, do I have to do something later? I can't remember. Yeah. <laughs> I have so many questions for you, Felix. You're very good at answering questions even before they come in. You're that thorough at explaining <laughs> this thing because I had a list of questions and you just tore through them as you were talking. So I want to pull some from my list that, that I don't think you'll get to. Yeah, um, go for it. I, I'm I'm not a beer drinker. Tyler is Tyler is our resident beer drinker. He drinks for both of us and for Hold you. Hold on a second. You're not a beer drinker. I, I'm not the heavy beer drinker. I I, I Eric, what are you doing with your life? Yeah, come on, Eric. <laughs> Eric's always the designated driver. No one spends I'm, more on gas than Eric. That's true. So I want to know because I've always wondered. Maybe a lot of people at home are wondering too, and they've been too embarrassed to ask the bartender. But we have a real live, you know brewer right here in front of us felix what is an ipa what is an what is a lager what is a wit beer um tyler what else is there uh excellent yeah Yeah. what are these things ale Ale. so so they're all different beer styles right so and and a beer style typically comes from some kind of historical background so lager for instance is something that uh really originated in the Czech Republic uh, and Germany, um, and really became, you know, massively well known uh, and much loved in in the kind of mid eighteen hundreds, and then spread globally. Um, and in fact, you know, thanks to lots of you know little events here and there, war, wars and, uh, and and pacts between countries, it, it has really kind of dominated the world. And today, you know, over ninety percent of beer consumed globally is lager of some kind. Um, and the word lager comes from the German word lagern, which means to store. So it's, uh, it's cold stored beer. So it's beer that has fermented. And then after its initial kind of vigorous fermentation, it has then been rested cold. Uh, and, and at that stage, the yeast is still active. Uh, it slows down a little bit, but it starts to go back over the products of its initial fermentation and it starts to to kind of re-metabolize some of the the kind of more wacky flavors so the kind of fruity flavors the um uh some some of the kind of strange kind of sulfury flavors and those are flavors so sulfur and fruit the kind of esters and the aldehydes and the all, all of these um these these metabolic compounds are the ones that that make ale so interesting. So ale and lager are the two kind of main groups of, of beer styles. Um, and, you, you know, some people count stouts separately. And, but, but 
generally speaking, you're, you're looking at ales and lagers. Lagers are these kind of longer, slower um, fermentations, and therefore you get a much more crisp, clean beer. Um, and ales are typically faster fermentations. They happen warmer. Um, and, and you end up with a beer that is more rounded, uh, that is more, um, well, yeah, uh, it's, it's more flavorsome <laughs> effectively. You, you get some more interesting flavors coming out with uh, the ales, that, with ales that, that aren't as refined or as crisp or as clean. And there's certainly, uh, you know, one, one beer style is no better than the other. I think they all they're all kind of great for different moments in time. If, if you are on a hot summer's day, you know, there is nothing more refreshing in the world than drinking a clean, cold, crisp Pilsner style lager. Um, <laughs> whereas you might want a little bit of warmth and a, and a bit more kind of fun and, uh, and, and kind of hoppy flavor. And then you're going for an IPA or a stout or, something that's got a little bit more bite to it. So, um, so yeah, that, that's the kind of, that's the overall kind of definition, the, the difference between a lager and an ale. Um, okay. and, and when I say kind of cold fermented, I'm talking about, you know, primary fermentation around kind of 10 to 15 degrees uh, C. Oh God, actually, no, I can't even talk to you about temperatures. Trying to do the math in Fahrenheit now? <laughs> yeah, right. Thank God. Really Thank you for giving us pints instead of milliliters, though. I appreciate that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We drink in pints. It's one of the things that we do. We we have a slightly messed up system here where we, we use milliliters for for most things apart from milk and beer. So, um, so we're still in pints. However, our pint is very different to your pint. Our pint, strangely, you know, they say that all things are bigger and better in the States. Mm -hmm. Our pints are bigger than yours, so there. Wow, take, there you go. Take that, Tyler. And then, change uh, yeah, uh, sixty-eight milliliters. Get it right. <laughs> <laughs> yes, sir. Uh, the other thing, and this, I think, small beer is the first place I've ever heard this word. But I, again, I'm maybe a little bit out of the. What is a wit beer? What is what that? Is beer? Yeah. So, so we we have just released a wit beer. It's a ridiculously tasty and very refreshing beer. A wit beer is a is a, a, a Belgian style of beer, um, and the wit in in wit beer uh, is is the Belgian word for white. So it's a white beer, um, and it's also made using wheat. So there's some, sometimes a little bit of confusion between a wheat beer and a white beer, and a you know. But effectively, it is a Belgian white beer brewed with lots of wheat. Um, and we've also added some uh, some Sussex-grown coriander, so some British coriander, uh, and also um, some Spanish-grown orange peel. So you've got this really crisp, clean um, beer, but it's got this kind of it's got this almost spicy kind of phenolic flavour that comes from a slightly warmer fermentation. Um, and then you've got the, the kind of spiciness and the roundness of the wheat. You've got this really tight white head on the top, um, and then these wonderful kind of citrus flavors that come from uh, from the fermentation, um, but also from the addition of the of the coriander and the and the orange peel. Um, and a lot of people think of coriander as being spicy because coriander is a spice, but actually, if you if you if you take the coriander seed and you crush it, 
it releases it releases this wonderful kind of lemony um, almost kind of lemon balm or lemongrass flavor it is absolutely delicious um, well, when, you, when so, you say spicy like what what like a is it like like a cinnamon spicy or is it like a like a pepper spicy i'm just it, curious it's it's not, so the the um the wheat and the and the fermentation give you a give you a slightly kind of um a slightly spicy flavor but w- when i say spicy i mean aromatic uh slightly kind of woody okay um, sometimes almost medicinal uh but it's but it's certainly not spicy as in kind of pepper hot okay uh, another question I have Thank for you. you, because because you're someone that that is into the fermentation processes and and is into the brewing process. Um, mm. If Tyler and I were let loose in your place, we would come up with you know 500 random flavors of beer. So when you were moonshining and bathtub brewing and figuring it out, did you try to make all sorts of weird concoctions? Are you like, let's see what you know cotton candy does to beer? Let's see what marshmallows do. Let's put peanut <laughs> butter in there. Did you go crazy? What are some of the weird things that you thought of? You know, surprisingly, when we got into small beer, we didn't go all that crazy to begin with. I, I think, if anything, uh, that kind of the liberation has come more, in more recent years where, you know, we spent a long time really perfecting our beer range, you know, the, nice. the, the, the kind of core range. So we now have a really great classic Pilsner style lager. We've got a really great tasty IPA, um, a kind of British organic IPA. Uh, we also have a hazy IPA. So, for those of you who are big fans of the New England styles, you know we've got a we've got a hazy IPA, which is super fun, tropical, fruity, fresh. Um, but then, but then, you know, recently we've been playing around with some more interesting flavors. But no, we've done some incredible. You know, we. Uh, I was just wondering whether I should even tell you about this one because I'm thinking about it for a re-release. <laughs> yeah, don't, don't, don't get in trouble, Felix. Please don't get in trouble with us, man. <laughs> I'll, try I'll try not to. Um, we did a, a really amazing saison a few years ago um, in collaboration with Majestic Wine, one of our um, one of our partners here in the UK, um, and we uh, we did a saison that we added. Um, grapefruit uh, and rosemary too and the grapefruit just gave us this really kind of nice uh kind of citrusy um kick uh and then and then the rosemary was just absolutely it was like it was it was just this perfectly balanced beer it was great it's really really good but um yeah we, i mean we don't normally play around with with you know other interesting kind of ingredients other than the, the kind of classic. So most vast majority of beers are made from four ingredients, right? You've got water, malt, and malt. When I say malt, I mean, this is malted cereal grains, right? So you've got barley, wheat, rye, oats, you know, those, those kind of things. So typically we're just playing around with water, malted grains, hops, and yeast, and that is it. And we can make some amazing flavors and beer, you know, we, we uh, we brew a dark lager, which has got um, all of these kind of roasted flavors. Tastes a little bit like like chocolate or um, uh, or coffee, and those just come from the roasted barley uh, that we add into it. Uh, you know, as I've just mentioned, we make this you know this incredible wheat beer that has got these kind of 
phenolic, spicy kind of medicinal flavors, that just comes from fermentation. So there's so much that you can do. You can make beers that taste absolutely nothing alike, and yet they're just made from the same four ingredients. That's wild. Which is, yeah, it's it's That's wild. We don't typically need to play around with with other kind of spices and fruits and, you know, additions to the beer, but sometimes it's fun. You know, sometimes it just adds another edge. Yeah, yeah. And and when you were just, you know, bathtub brewing and 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 moonshining in, in your backyard, in your garage, were your first batches good or were you like, what the hell is this? And you just spit it up right away. <laughs> my, um, I was very lucky in that my, my very first batch that I ever brewed, um, and that was the one where I'd kind of, I'd been inspired by, by these guys on basic brewing. Uh, shout out to Basic Brewing, Northwest Arkansas. Um, they were uh, they were brewing a six pack at home um, on on their stove, and I just think you know I think everybody should do that. You know, it's everyone should do it once. And the the, the thing about brewing, people learn about home brewing, and they say, right, I need all the kit, and they go out and they buy loads of kit. And home brewers so often get into the um, in, into kind of buying all the stainless steel equipment. It's very expensive. It's very shiny. It takes up a lot of space. You know, they get into a lot of trouble for filling their, their, their garages full of stuff. Yeah. And, um, <laughs> and, and you don't need to. You know, if you want to brew a six-pack of beer, all you need is a couple of saucepans and a sieve and, a, and like a bucket. I mean, it is so simple. Um, Perhaps I can share I can share some something simple with you that you can share with your listeners. But it is um, it's so easy to to get brewing. Uh, I mean, I I did my first my first brew really my first fermentation was when I was four years old. Um, oh wow! I did it at home, and it was a uh, so technically classed as home brewing. Um, <laughs> I, I took a glass bottle. Um, I put some water in it and some sugar and some yeast, and I swirled it around, and I put a balloon over the top. Um, and this was a little experiment that a lot of kids were doing back then and probably still are now, uh, where over the period of the next day or so, the yeast starts to consume the sugar that's in solution and converts it into carbon dioxide and alcohol. And the carbon dioxide blows the balloon up. So if you, if you kind of stretch the balloon over the, over the, the, the mouth of the bottle, um, you get it to seal over there, you actually get the balloon starts to fill up with carbon dioxide. And, oh, wow. And that's, you know, it's just a nice experiment to do with kids. But you can, you can brew so easily. You're basically making uh, a kind of porridge out of your grain and your water. You strain the porridge out through a sieve. You boil that up. You add hops. And then you cool it down and you add yeast. And you put it into a bottle or put it into a bucket. And you've got fermentation and you've got beer. That is real beer. I mean, what I was doing with sugar isn't, isn't really beer. It's kind of like a kind of wine concoction. But, um, but no, this, this, you know, it is so simple. You really, really don't need to, um, you don't need to, to get loads of kit. Anyway, my, my first brew was a major success. I brewed a, a really delicious Belgian-style uh, double. Um, and it was, it was delicious. It was amazing. And I thought, wow, you know. Um, I can do this and I'll go off and, and then I completely tripped up over myself, brewed. My second beer was an absolute horror and I had to throw the whole lot. 
So oh. <laughs> what they say about beginner's luck. Um, yeah. So, but that doesn't matter. You know, if, if you mess up with brewing, the vast majority, in the vast majority of cases, you've just got to wait a little bit longer and the yeast will look after the beer um, and you'll get back to, uh, back to square one. But just, you just got to make sure that you clean everything really meticulously and then you end mm. up with yeah, really solid, delicious. solid advice, man. Um, a question I have, and, and this is fascinating because of your science background. This is something I've always asked, you know, people like Tyler that, that do like drinking. Does the can and the bottle, do they taste different? <laughs> real so, question, real question, man. So technically, um, technically, no. If you've, if you've done it well, the can and the bottle should taste identical. And a lot of people will be screaming <laughs> at, at, yeah. the, uh, at the podcast now because they know categorically that their can tastes better than their bottle or vice versa. Now, up until uh, 15, 20 years ago, the, uh, the linings on, on cans wasn't particularly good. And you would get beer that tasted kind of metallic um, in cans. Uh -huh. also, a lot of canned beer at the time was pasteurized, uh, which is a process where you're heating up the can in order to kill any, any uh, bacteria or, or yeast that is left in the beer. Right. Um, and if you pasteurize the beer, you're basically cooking the beer and you, you, you end up with some very cooked um, kind of caramelized flavors. You get the Maillard reaction in, in the beer and it just, you know, you lose all the kind of nice, delicate hop aromas and the nice fruity flavors and you you ruin the beer so so it used to be that that canned beer you, you know used to taste terrible and bottled beer was always much much better um actually uh in recent years the craft brewing industry has really embraced the can um and what that now means is that you can typically find more interesting and better tasting beers in cans than in bottles. Ooh. But I mean, we, we actually do both. So we, uh, we have an incredibly strong environmental ethic standpoint here at the brewery. Uh, and we do what is right for the planet in every single, uh, you know, every decision that we make, we, we make it for the planet wherever possible. And so uh, we actually put our beer into both bottles and cans. In an ideal world, everybody would just be drinking draft beer and that would be it. There would yeah. be no need for bottles, no need for cans. Um, but the, the great thing about cans is that you can ship them uh, long distances. They're very lightweight um, and they don't break if you're sending them through, through, you know, through a, a courier. The world. Um, yeah. If you're going to a shop you know, if you're going to a, a retail outlet and you're buying beer, then actually environmentally, um, it is, it's better to buy our beer, certainly in bottles, than it is in cans. Now, that's not always the same for every brewery. Bottles differ and cans, differ, you know, depending on where the bottle was made, how it was made, how the can was made, it's, it's very, very tricky to get that right. But we know that certainly for our brewery, um, we ship pallets of bottles to retailers, uh, but if we're sending out individual cans, to, you know, for people to drink at home, or we're sending out a case of cans for people to drink, to drink at home, we do that in can and not in bottle, uh, because bottles, 
do break easily and you have to really pack them with a with a lot of packaging that that is not particularly good for the environment and and when they do break you know you've just lost some great beer so that, that's that's a travesty we can't have that happen <laughs> so, in, in theory you know when we bottle and when we can our beers they taste identical and we actually had a, a tasting uh, just earlier on today uh, of our of our lager um, in, we had two uh, samples of lager in can and two samples of lager in bottle um, as is usually the case in the brewery every day we've got something to taste and it's an important part of the job like I know it sounds fun but seriously there is nothing more important than tasting the beer all the time I absolutely you know there are two important things to us in our business one of them is people if if everybody's happy you know I'm happy and the business is running well and the other one is the beer. You know, if the beer is happy, then everybody's happy, and then I'm happy, and then it's all running well. It's you know, it if you if you forget to look after those two things, then drastically bad things can happen. That's true. That's true. It's inspiring hearing you talk, man. Honest to God, just as a business owner, just the way you're doing it is is a hundred percent right. And and the guilt that we have for the planet. I know you guys make it so much better. I know you guys use dry floor methods in your brewery, which is phenomenal on water saving. Um, Felix, Absolutely. when people, I'm sorry. Absolutely, yeah. It's it, it is so important, you know. And 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 I don't think that you should be able to set up a brewery or or any kind of business these days unless you are doing it right by the plan. Yeah, yeah. Water. I know you guys are big water conscious people. I know you're you're planet conscious. I, I know every step you guys take is like you said the green step and, and taking the green steps with every little thing that you do, which is amazing. And hearing the passion you have, I have um, just a handful more questions for you. This whole time you've been talking, I don't know if you could hear it. Tyler has been drooling the entire time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> on my end. Cause I, my Loud headphones are great. Loud yeah. He's sitting in a puddle right now. So Felix, yeah. You're in the UK. We're in the US. We have listeners all over the world. I know there's one of them in Sweden right now who's been crying since this episode started because we all feel like diabetics in Wonka land. We can see it, but we can't have it. <laughs> Felix, when can Tyler hold a can of small beer? Uh, when is it coming to the US? When will it be in Sweden? When will our listeners be able to taste this? That is excellent. Well, of course, you know, as, as with any good plan, the, 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 uh, the end game is world domination, right? But, of course. Um, we, so, I mean, we've been running now for six years. We started out in 2017. Um, and, and, you know, that six years has been a hell of a roller coaster ride. We have been through a global pandemic. <laughs> we've been through, you know, some mad times, absolutely mad times. But we, um, we were actually, we were beginning to export our beer before the pandemic. Uh, you know, the pandemic actually just completely knocked all of that. Um, and, and we, we lost a lot of the, uh, the, the trade that we had prior to the pandemic, but we, have, yeah. I'm glad to say that we've, we've gained that back now and we're on nice. a really strong footing. I mean, the response globally, really, but the response, I mean, particularly in the UK where we're now becoming a bit of a household name has been phenomenal. Like we have grown so quickly. Um, it, you know, it really just speaks to, to, to people really getting what we're, what we're about. And actually, in some ways, I think the pandemic helped because, um, 
you know, prior to the pandemic, people weren't quite as conscious of living a kind of more balanced lifestyle. They, you know, they, we were all working ridiculously long hours, he says, sitting at the, in the brewery at one o'clock in the morning. <laughs> we, we were all, you know, just partying hard, working hard, and, and not really getting any time in for ourselves, for our loved ones. Um, and, and I think in some ways the pandemic helped us to kind of see that, that living a more balanced lifestyle sometimes is, is just what we need. You know, it's, it's kind of is, uh, it's music for the soul. Um, and, and I think our beer uh, answers a lot of those questions. You know, it's like, yeah, you know what? You can drink amazing beer. You can have a great time. You don't have to wreck yourself in the process. Nice. So we have had this, you know, this absolutely ballistic growth. Um, and, and, you know, people have really, um, really kind of uh, loved what we're putting out there. Um, and we want to share it with the world. So we have right now at this moment, we have our first shipment of beer heading over to the States. Nice. So, which is... Congratulations, man. Great. I mean, it's awesome. And... Um, I'm probably again letting the the cat out of the bag or whatever the phrase is a little bit too soon. Um, <laughs> I I should be completely you know keeping this under wraps, but we will be launching in the states soon. So please please do watch out. Uh, well, I say do watch out. It'll probably be a little while before we hit the west coast, but we are landing in New Jersey and we'll be we'll be in New York, New Jersey, Penn State you know, around that area. So please do, if you're around there, look out for small beer. It will be around. Um, and, and if you can't see it and you're in one of those states or, or nearby somewhere in New England or something, then if you, if you can't find it, then get in touch. Like, really, get in touch with us and say, you know, why, why can I not get your beer? Uh, <laughs> we would love for, for your local uh, pub, for your local um, uh, uh, bar, restaurant, hotel, bottle shop to stock it. Um, the, uh, the rest of the world, so we have actually exported a very small amount to Sweden in the past. Nice. That was pre-pandemic again, and it'll, it'll probably take us, um, you know, I don't want to get any hopes up. It'll probably be two or three years before we really, you know, before we really branch back out into the wider world, um, but we're gonna we're gonna give the give the states a good crack and see what happens. I mean, we we would love to uh, to get a real footholding uh, in the states. You guys have some phenomenal beers, um, and incredibly, you don't really have any small beer over there. So um, so this is exciting, it's an exciting new territory for us, and and, and an exciting new beer to to land in the states. Um, yeah, so we will we will get to you. You know, if wherever you are listening to this, out there somewhere, if you're on this planet, you will be drinking small beer shortly. Amen. Amen. Perfect. <laughs> Lovely. The, fi the final four questions I have for you. Number yeah. one. Final four. Final four. I'm sorry. I know it's like past one a.m. Felix, <laughs> God bless you for staying on with us. You're the very best. This is um, good. Agree or disagree? Mm -hmm. Tyler says that non-alcoholic beer should be drinking, uh, drunk with a silly straw? <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, you know, if, if we follow the, uh, the environmental ethics of what I was just talking about, you absolutely shouldn't be drink drinking with straws, whether they're plastic or not. It's just an unnecessary thing to do. 
Fair. Even, a, even a, an aluminum silly straw? Even a aluminum silly straw. Alum- yeah. Uh, you know, you know what? I I um I would love to give you brownie points for your environmental aluminium <laughs> is one of the worst materials for our yeah, come on Tyler <laughs> Jesus man as much as, it, as much as it gets a lot of love from the from the kind of greenwashing crowd and look like I've got to put my hands up we put our beer into aluminium cans right we call it aluminium here not aluminium but um the we um we do use aluminium uh it's it is an important part of our supply chain um, but it's also incredibly destructive to the planet. Um, and so, um, well, it's destructive if you're using virgin aluminium. So if we can recycle more, and I would nice. urge anybody that is listening to this, if you ever, ever see a can in the general waste, like just you just have to put aside the kind of icky, ooey feeling of sticking your hand into, into, the, into, into the bin, into the trash can, as you call it and pulling it out and putting it in the recycling. Please, please do do this for the planet. Like you have to sort your waste properly. If you don't Amen. have curbside collection of cans wherever, wherever you live, then, then ask for it. Like you should be campaigning. You know, it is so important that we separate aluminium, especially uh, from our waste, because at the moment um, in the UK and, and in the US, we, we recycle about 75% of our cans, um, wow. which, is, which is good, but it could be a hell of a lot better than that. Um, That's true. We, we can all do better. So That's true. Um, but yeah, I mean, if we recycle more, then maybe that'll make some straws for you to drink your... your uh... <laughs> all right. Question number two. And this, this is the last three of these we ask every single person. Um, if you were guaranteed the right answer to any question, what would you ask? Oh my God, this is, <laughs> this is just, the, this is the best question. It really is. You, you completely got me on this one. That is, you know, it's, it's a, it's a really tough one. And the, the thing is, is here, here at Small Beer, we actually have a strap line, right? Our strap line is think big, drink small. And that speaks to this idea that, you know what, you can do all these things. Like you can go out there and have fun and also get stuff done, right? Like it's, um, you can be a big thinker. You know, you don't have to just constantly kind of think, well, I'd love a beer, but I can't really because I, you know, I've got some big thinking to do. You can be a big thinker and a small drinker. I love um, that. And in that kind of, along those lines, I am, I am a bit of a big thinker. And so as soon as, Soon as that 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 idea, you know, and I've I've heard you ask the, the question before, and I was thinking about this one. Um, I also I do believe in humanity. I think that we we are, you know, I'm I'm an optimist, right? I think that we can all like actually people want good and they they want to live good lives. They want to be happy. Uh, they want to be healthy. They want to be full. And so if if I were going to ask a question, and this is this is a bit of a rhetorical a rhetorical question, but if I were going to ask a question and get the right answer, in that sense, my question would be, please, can we all agree to end hunger, poverty, conflict, and the abuse of the natural world? Amen. And I, I, would like, Amen yeah. I would like to think that 
you don't have to force people to give you the right answer. I would like to think that everybody on this planet has the decency to say yes. Yeah. Let's do it. Yeah. Um, on a on a lighter note and a different note. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> again, uh, this is questions that we ask every single person. So I know it has nothing to do with small beer, but it is important to know who you are as a person. Tyler and I will answer along with you. What is your song of the day today? What song should everyone hear at least once in their life? God, that, that is, that's so funny because um, I was, uh, again, this is one that I was kind of, I was thinking about and I just, I couldn't really think of a song of, of today. And then literally it came to me just before, uh, just before I, I, I jumped onto this call, um, I was listening to Kinky Reggae by Bob Marley and the Wailers. And God, that song is absolutely incredible. Kinky reggae. Um, I, I don't. What's that one? Kinky reggae. It's yeah. it's actually one of his very early tracks, um, and it is an absolute. I mean, if you haven't heard Kinky Reggae by Bob Marley and the, Bob Marley and the Wailers, you've got to listen to it. It's awesome. I'm putting it in the queue right now. Wow, it's really, really good. Yeah, please, please listen to that song. That, and, that's and how you say it, Tyler. It means line. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Tyler, Tyler, what about you, man? What is your song of the day? Uh, going with a '80s classic. Let's go with the Neutron Dance by the Pointer Sisters. Nice. All right. Nice. Mine is going to be uh, Bohemian Rhapsody by Queen. Um, nice. The final all thing classic. that we ask. All classic. Oh, yeah. That's very rare that that happens. It, it is. It is. Felix, the most important question of all, if people want to find you, follow you, stalk you, try your beer, see what it's all about, see who we're talking to, see what we're talking about, where can people find more information? Okay, so you want to be, uh, I mean, you can always head to our website, theoriginalsmallbeer.com, um, but you also definitely want to be uh, you know, following us on socials. So uh, we're at Original Small Beer, and that's on all of the socials, I mean, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, whatever, you name it, uh, at Original Small Beer. Um, and also good news for some of you who may be listening who want to join in on the journey. Uh, we are actually going through an investment round at the moment, looking for a bit of growth funding. Um, and we are, uh, we're, we're going big. I mean, this is in part due to our, uh, due to the new kind of exports out to the States, but but really, it's, it's, um, it's also getting into more pubs, getting to more restaurants, bars, hotels. Nice. Um, and, 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 uh, and really growing out the small beer vision. You know, our, our vision really is to have a 2% beer option in every place where you can get beer. So, you know, we just want to give people the, the option. You know, we're not saying you, you don't have to drink small beer. You can drink big beer. That's totally fine. Completely fine. You know, if it's the right time and the place for big beer, go for it. It's great fun. Um, but also, you know, if you happen to be in a situation where you want to keep your cool and you want to be drinking a great tasting beer, then there's got to be a small beer. And so that, that vision has to, has to live out. Beautiful. Nice. Nice. Felix, thank you so much. We're looking so, so forward to to seeing small beer in our shelves, in our hands, in our fridge. And uh, yeah, I'm going to be an investor, man. I'm, I'm, I'm in. Amazing. Good, good. Well, I, I hope you have your, uh, I hope you have big pockets. I do. Tell <laughs> your credit card information. I, yeah, exactly. I was waiting for that. <laughs> thank you. 
Felix across the front. Yeah. yeah, Felix from Small Beer. Uh, thank you so so much at Original Small Beer. Check them out on Instagram, um, theoriginalsmallbeer.com. It's .com or .co. Uh, theoriginalsmallbeer.com. Yeah. .com. Check yeah. them out. Uh, follow them on Instagram. Look for them at your stores. Um, yeah, we'll see you all here uh, soon. And thank you so much, Felix. Amazing. Thank you so much for having me.